It is Tour de France, two nights ago. Um, Vingegaard blew Pogaccia away. And I was thinking, is that the end of Pogaccia? But last night, this happened. 100 metres to go. Yesterday, this rider looked like he was a beaten man. A resurgent Tadej Pogacar has put a blow to the hopes of Vengegaard. Stage six, take a bow. We are six <laughs> stages through the Tour de France, and boy, the last two nights have been unreal, actually, which is the beauty of the Tour de France. And a man that's ridden it multiple times, New Zealand's best ever exponent of the Grand Tours, joins us as he did last week. Uh, Julian Dean out of Rotorua. Jules, wow. Uh, we're only six stages in, but there's been so much drama. Yeah, yeah, and I'm already feeling pretty tired from the, from these late nights. We've still got many stages to go, but it's truly been been exciting. You know, we had a, a pretty aggressive start there uh, in, the, in the Basque country in Spain with, uh, you know, the favourites already coming to the finish line in small groups, those first stages. First, um, but then yesterday... Uh, we arrived in the, in the Pyrenees and uh, it was fireworks from the get-go. You know, big breaks going away and then the big guys going toe-to-toe in Vindergarten Podcast uh, and finish in Stage 5 and Stage 6 last night. I want to talk about those two, but I do have to tip my hat to Jai Hindley, who won Stage 5, an aggressive, powerful rider, really announced himself to the world, to, to, to the to the casual viewers, I know he's done well at the Giro d'Italia, but this is Tour de France Stage 5 stuff. He looked impressive. Yeah, he's really, really a, a class rider, um, Jai Henley, and certainly one you would have picked uh, early on or before the Tour de France to be uh, on the podium in, in, in Paris when they, when they get to Paris. Uh, but he's, you know, he's got a reputation as a, as a great guy, West Australian. Uh, had a, a great Giro when when he won that, uh, so he, he's definitely in the picture. But it was really a, a class ride yesterday um, or day before to take take that yellow jersey, and he's put himself uh, very much in the picture of getting on that podium. And we know, uh, I think, with him that he's really good uh, over three weeks. So yeah, he's taken that opportunity early, and it's going to be interesting to see how he goes as we near Paris and the uh, and the French Alps over the next week. Have the Yates twins surprised you? No, I mean, we, we both know, you know, having worked uh, with both of those boys uh, for multiple years, you know, we know that they're uh, very, very competent riders. Uh, you know, um, Simon especially has, has won the Tour of Spain, so he's good over those three weeks. Uh, he's been podium in the Giro multiple times. And uh, if we think about Adam, uh, you know, he took that great opportunity early on stage one. Uh, but, you know, you can see now that his role... Um, has really shifted to supporting his teammate Pochka. Uh and you know Pochka is going to need him uh, all the way to to Paris because you know as we've seen particularly last night when we're watching that stage you know you can really see the strength uh, in that Jumbo Bismarck team and you know that could be Vindergaard's, uh you know ultimate uh, weapon by the time they get to the uh, the French Alps over over this next uh, over this week ahead. I mentioned to you before the tour started that Walt Van Aert just can, just is such an amazing rider. He he just turns himself inside out every single day. Uh, he must need a lot of wheat bix in the morning. Yeah, he's definitely a, he's definitely a monster, and you know it's just extraordinary that someone of his talent, um, you know, that can be winning many uh, multiple stages himself, 
you know, really focuses on uh, on what's good for the team and, and helping Vindergaard. You know, we've seen Walt Van Aert uh, narrowly miss out on that stage, getting second place last week. Uh, but you can see, uh, like all those Jumbo, Jumbo Visma boys, you know, he's, he's turned his attention now to uh, helping uh, Vindergaard. But I have no doubt in my mind that we'll see uh, Walt Van Aert pop up for a stage when there's a time trial coming up um, after the next best day at the end of the uh, start of last week. So um, that'll be definitely something, a place that we'll be watching out for Walt Van Aert there as well. So explain to me the form reversal, particularly for Gacha. Um, so stage five, the one that Jai Hindley won, Vingegaard just attacked him on a reasonably steep section and... Um, Tarek Pogaccia, he had nothing, um, and people were saying, are we going to see an early exit from him? Is his wrist playing up? He's had injuries this year. Vingegaard looks like he's got the legs. And then last night, stage six, it was a role reversal. Although I would have to say, I don't think Vingegaard looked as broken as Pogaccia did stage five, but Pogaccia rode away from him. And it really, um, we were thinking a two-horse race, and I think it's been cemented. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be the way going forward. We've, you know, we've got these two guys. They've, they've stood up as we expected to be head and shoulders above everyone else. Um, and as you see, it's been, um, you know, I, I thought, you know, Pochkar's a, he, he never gives up and he won't give up uh, until, until we get to Paris, till we get to Paris. I think he's definitely had, as you said, Steph, the, you know, the more bumpier running, but Man, the thing we've got to think about here is we're early. We're very, very early in the Tour de France. Yes, the stages uh, in the Pyrenees are finished. We've had some dynamite stages, but the the big part of this racing uh, of this of this tour is still to go. We're crossing now um, across the um, you know the, that bottom third of France to the central Marseille over the next few days. We've got a couple of flatter stages, so we're watching out for Cab there to see if he can nab that record. Uh, but those stages are lumpy um, after the next two uh, as we head across to the outs. And they're going to be hard. Like it's going to be um, a lot of wear and tear on the teams as they try and control uh, those stages. They're certainly not going to be wanting to let guys like Jai Henley uh, get up the road like they did on stage five because we've seen that that's dangerous. So they'll have to keep those under control. These big groups that we've been seeing of 30 and 20 guys can't be letting that happen if uh, you've got that, that, that yellow jersey uh and hoping to be on that top step in, in Paris because Jai, Jai Henley and those guys, they'll, uh, they'll disrupt the proceedings. So it's going to be interesting. Fatigue uh, management is going to be the next, uh, next big thing over these next four stages as we, as we head across uh, to the Alps. And we've got some hard stages, man, um, going into next weekend after next Monday, the, the time trial, and, and one more big mountain stage there uh, for those guys to handle. UAE team Emirates support Pogaccia and Jumbo Visma Vingegaard. From what you've seen so far, I mean, those guys can't do it alone. They need they need good um, domestiques. Who's lining up as having the better group of domestiques? I know it's early stages, but which team would you want supporting you? Yeah, you know, if, if you look through the rosters uh, of both of those teams, um, you know, they've, they've got extraordinary depth and we're sort of seeing this in cycling. Uh, now, which is making it hard for a lot of teams, but they're getting what we call these super teams, uh, you know, like massive budgets, and they're just buying, uh, you know, such depth in their riders. Uh, but, you know, I think what we've seen so far is that um, Jumbo Visma uh, have probably been the dominant team. And by dominant, I, by, what I mean by that is, you know, when we're getting to the real critical part 
on the mountain stages, they're definitely having more numbers. Um, they've been sending guys up the road in those breaks. So we've seen Walt Van Aert go up the road and then drop back and help Vindergaard. So they've really, uh, you know, been all over everything uh, at this stage. Uh, but they also have been uh, spending a lot of um, biscuits, as we say in cycling uh, uh, terms, but which, which means, you know, if you've got a pile of biscuits at the start of the race, you've been eating a lot of them and you might run out before the end and run out of energy. So, um, so they've been all over everything, using a lot of energy. And uh, although UAE uh, seem to be a little bit more controlled and uh, making their decisions a little bit more conservatively uh, than what Jumbo Visma and we could see this play out by them uh, having a few more numbers when we get into the um, French Alps next week. So that'll be definitely one of the key things to watch because certainly, you know, if uh, Vindegaard gets isolated and uh, and Podgecar finds himself with a, a couple of extra teammates at, at any point uh, over these next four or five days in the back end of next week, uh, then, you know, they're really going to put the hammer down. Tonight's stage is a 170k flat stage uh, for the sprinters. Is it basically, um, I don't want to understate how hard the tour is, but is it a bit of a recovery day for these for Vingegaard and Pogaccia to let the sprinters do their thing and just don't lose time to each other? Do you, do you see it? It's just that it's completely different today, uh, tonight's stage? Yeah, their uh, you know their mindset uh, will, will certainly be um, one of conservancy going into the next two stages. Uh, so we've got a couple of flat stages. We're heading up up to Bordeaux, which is traditionally always a sprinter's stage uh, tomorrow. Uh, and so, it's, I mean, the, the one thing you know, I think it's not really so much in these sort of stages about um, switching off, but it's just about changing the focus because you know you've got to uh, be very aware of things uh, all the time. Uh, in the Tour de France, you know, anything can happen and you've got to be maintaining all the time, uh, you know, good position in that bunch. If there's a, a crosswind section or, you know, there's a crash in the bunch and it ends up splitting and you're a favourite and you're in that second part, you can be sure that, um, you know, all those favourites that are in the front part are going to, you know, make it as difficult as possible uh, for that race to, to regroup. So, got to stay at the front, got to stay focused, and particularly coming into those finishes, you know, there's been some nasty uh, spills coming into the into the sprints this first week, and none of those guys that are gunning for GC uh, want to get caught behind any of those splits after those crashes and, and lose time to their rivals. What happens recovery-wise, like between, sta- say, stage five and stage six, these big teams, how, when they get off their bike and they get back on the team bus and go away, what what happens in the sort of, what would it be, 12, 14 hours between getting off the bike and having to get back on it to prepare them? For, for like Pogaccia, how did they re-prepare him to make that assault on stage six? Yeah, you know, I, you know, when you get to those first big, big mountain stages, you know, one of the things, you know, we always sort of think that we're going to, um, you know, that's going to be the set pattern when we see on that first big mountain stage for, for the rest of the tour. But, you know, often these guys, you know, they'll take a, a day to sort of wake the body up. Um, well, obviously, they're, you know, they've already been going pretty hard for a week. But, you know, to get into those, that rhythm of riding, you know, those 30 or 35, 40 minute efforts on those long, on those long climbs. So that how, that's how long uh, many of those big climbs can be. So uh, I think, you know, looking back at what we saw stage five, it was just, you know, getting accustomed to, 
you know, getting those long, longer, um, more consistent efforts and, and him adapting to that um, as they go into the rest, rest of the race. But, I mean, to answer your question, you know, recovery and sort of front, you know, these guys, you know, they're both extraordinary athletes, both, both very capable athletes that always run at similar levels. And really from now on, it becomes like who has, who, who recovers the best, who has the best recovery protocol. And that process starts, you know, as soon as they, they get in uh, off the, off the bike in the bus, you know, the, the chef would have prepared food for them in the bus. Um, that food will be measured out according to uh, the output of that day. And, uh, you know, that'll be staged um, as they head to all the way through to dinner about, um, about what they're eating, uh, the, you know, the types of food, the timing of that food. Uh, and then it goes into the, the physical recovery of such things such as, you know, ice, ice bars, massage, um, compression wear, all those sorts of stuff. So, you know, you got to, you got to throw everything at it. But, you know, these guys have been, uh, at the cutting edge of, of that science all the time and, uh, and trying to improve on, on that stuff, uh, from year to year. Do you sleep well when you're on the tour? Yeah. You know, obviously what, what we've learned is, you know, sleep is definitely one of the most important things, um, in, in aiding, aiding recovery and, you know, although you get really, really exhausted, uh, particularly as you get towards the end of the Tour de France, you know, you, that fatigue becomes so deep that sleep often becomes real difficult. So, you know, having regular sleeping patterns and a good amount of sleep is, is certainly uh, certainly critical. So what sort of time do the team go to bed? Because I think they start. you start about midday, 11 o'clock in the morning, France time. What time's bedtime for the team, or is it all different for different cyclists? Yeah, I mean, you know, some guys generally find, you know, that they don't really need um, as much sleep as, as others. But, you know, kind of what shifts every day is uh, within a couple of hours is, is the start time uh, of the stages in the tour. Generally, they've always tried to time them so that the finish time for TV purposes is, is around 5 o'clock. So if you've got a shorter stage, you might start at 1 a longer mountain stage, they might be starting sort of at half past 10. Um, but, you know, they have to try and, um, I think the, the main thing is about keeping things regular and, um, you know, they often have the guys rooming together and, uh, you know, try and pair those guys up that, you know, sort of have similar habits, similar patterns and, and are not too disruptive uh, to each other. And I remember I talked to you about this when we did our podcast and, and I said, how do you just jump on the bike the next day after you've just broken yourself? And, you said, oh, you, you just do. And you rung me in the car about an hour later and said, I've been thinking about that. And, and you said, without being egotistical or anything, I've just always been fit. It's just what I, it's what these guys always do is just break themselves day after day after day. So while me watching is going, how do you do that? Because I couldn't, but it's what you guys do every day. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I mean, humans are extraordinary. You know, when when we train and, and, and set our mind to something, it's, it's incredible what we can make ourselves do. And, you know, to be, you know, to speak from the heart, I think, you know, there's, there's many days on these grand tours in the Tour de France where as an athlete, and, you know, I'm sure Podgkar and Vindegaard are going to be the same, you know, no one probably expresses it, but, you know, you roll off that start line at kilometre zero on stage 17, you know, you've got four or five mountain passes ahead of you and you're thinking about how your legs feel and you go, you're going to yourself inwardly, 
Boy, boy, I am in trouble today. There's no way these legs are going to be able to get me to the finish um, at the front of this race or, in my case, in the time cut if it was a mountain stage. But, um, you know, you, you, you ride into the race, everyone's in the same boat and, you know, as you get more experience, you realise that that's just the nature of the racing and, you know, you've got to at least get to the start line, uh, get out there and let the body warm up and, you know, realise that everyone's in the same 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 place and it's a tough event and that's just what it does to people when it becomes a mental game. So we've got a sprint stage tonight, as I mentioned earlier. Um, I think Cavendish is going to have a real red-hot go because he's one of those sprinters that's going to be battling cut-off times, as you say, when they hit the mountains again. Big opportunity for him tonight. Yeah, I think he's got he's got two two stages sort of in a row these next two days. I mean, it's pretty slim pickings uh, until they get to Paris. Um, so remember, Cavendish is going for that all-time record of Tour de France stage when told uh, where he's equal with Eddie Merckx at the moment. So he needs that one more stage. Um, we've seen that Philipson um, has been pretty dominant in the, in the sprints. He's had uh, an extraordinary um, lead-out partner there with uh, Matthew Vanderpoel, who's worn the yellow jersey and won stages in the Tour de France himself. So they're really a, a formidable pairing in the sprint so far. So work, Cav's going to have his work cut out there. But, uh, you know, he's a, Cav, Cav's a battler. He's been around for many years. And uh, we've seen he's been he's been around the mark. So he's definitely not uh, not out of it in, in these sprints. And, you know, I've, I've said last week, and I'll say it again, uh, I think he's going to do it. He's going to um, get that record at some stage during this Tour de France. Brilliant. Jules, I'm absolutely loving it uh, and our regular catch-ups as well. Uh, it's giving everything as it does seem to year in, year out. The Tour de France is such a spectacle of of landscape, but just the athletic endeavour from these guys just keeps blowing me these way. These midgets, these tiny little men with hearts the size of lions. It's just it's just incredible. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. It's, and it's always another thing I, I say to people, you know, it's... Uh, the extraordinary thing about the Tour de France was that it's the only only sport uh, in the world where you know someone that weighs thirty kg thirty kgs less than you can really take it to you. Uh, it's always interesting. Yeah. Brilliant, Jules. We'll catch up next week. Okay. Cheers. Thanks for the call, Steph.